Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea. I'm here again today with Chris and Sheena, and we are in Nehemiah, and we have a lot of uh, construction going on, some opposition going on. So what stuck out to you guys today? Oh, I seriously want to know which gate oh. you guys want to report. <laughs> want, okay, we're going to we're going to do a poll. A poll. Um, what gate would you like to be a part Assigned. of rebuilding? Yeah. <laughs> How many people want the Dung Gate? <laughs> definitely, definitely um... the Dung Gate. I want the Fountain Gate. I feel like it sounds very calming and soothing. Yeah. I'm intrigued by the Tower of the Ovens. Oh. <laughs> What yes. kind of what kind of things are being baked? <laughs> yeah. Is it a donut gate yeah. or is it? If it's a donut gate, I'm there. If yeah. it's just bread, yeah. count me out. It's fine. I don't need that. <laughs> What's yours, Chris? Uh, you know, you look like a horse gate kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably go with the fountain gate too. It sounds more scenic, but it does say that they had to rebuild the gates where they lived. So. I mean, not only did you have to live by the Dung Gate, but you had to fix it. You did. True. So I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that. Bummer. Maybe that was the up and coming part of town. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's the part they're they're rejuvenating. <laughs> oh, what else I got to you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did notice uh, that it's interesting. Sometimes uh, we get this idea that there's certain things that are spiritual and certain things that are just like normal jobs. This whole rebuilding thing is all about construction. It's about rebuilding, and it's it's a very spiritual purpose, even though we would call it, like, not necessarily a full-time ministry job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something we see again and again in Scripture, that God just, when he asks for things, he's not concerned of whether it's a sacred thing, whether it's a secular thing. It's just an obedience thing. Hmm. Um, I was just thinking about, as you were saying that, that Nehemiah, I feel like is, I, I've been hearing a lot about Nehemiah lately just from, like, a lot of different churches and stuff and doing sermons and different things. And it's like uses like a good leadership book, which I think is great and true, but Nehemiah is so submitted to God too. Um, I I think that's where his great leadership comes from is just his heart that's submitted to God. I know through the years um, when I faced different things, people like Nehemiah have encouraged me, not even just because of their strategy, but I often have taken a lot of Con- confidence and and consolation that the fact that they faced opposition because mm-hmm. sometimes you can feel like man if if i'm facing opposition am i in the will of god is this right, right? like mm. especially when it's opposition that if, if it comes from other christians that's mm-hmm. always the most painful uh but man nehemiah gets his fair share of opposition here um all kinds of stuff i mean this is like a <laughs> poor guy well oh. and it's, it's like and it's a soap oppos- opera yeah. <laughs> it really is i mean it's it's quite an interesting story and it's opposition, it's one after another after another. And in from all different angles, where he just doesn't seem to, poor guy, get a break <laughs> from it at all. Yeah, there's threats of violence. Mm-hmm. There's false accusations. There's, like, rumors and <laughs> gossip. and There's people fighting each other yep. on the same team. He has to confront his own uh, people over their mistreatment of the poor and they're charging interest on their own people. Mm-hmm. So even internal conflict, uh, all in fifty-two days. Oh, I mean, and he's got to rally. He's got to rally the troops. Like, no, come on! It's he had weird. a deadline to meet, and all this. He did in fifty-two days. You know, I he was when when we first started Nehemiah. It talks about how he was really afraid in front of the king, um, but he like 
did his thing and he spoke his piece. Um, but I don't see him being afraid at all after that. Like he's very determined in his purpose. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do despite all this opposition. Um, I think that's kind of a, a growth thing maybe. <laughs> well, and I think it's a good point that, um, I think it's that aspect of obedience, um, in him stepping out and being obedient in front of the King and facing that fear. Is it possible that the next, the next moments and times he had more courage mm-hmm. and he had more of an ability to, to, he, he was able to more quickly obey because he gained that confidence in obeying and stepping out. And I think that's even like such a good reminder for us that sometimes mm-hmm. when we're called to something challenging, the more we obey and the more we step out into what God's calling, the, the more, the easier it gets each, each time to obey and yeah. take those steps. Especially as we see God's faithfulness following us through our obedience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cause he's, even he says, should someone in my position run from danger? No. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's a, it would be a good time. Yeah. Like, you could. It sounds like a great It's time. valid. It's valid. Yeah. Um, you had some thoughts about uh, what you said, Sheena, in verse 3 where it says, I'm engaged in a great work and I can't come. Um, did you want to share anything about that? Yes. I love that line. Um, I love that he wasn't wavered by all of I mean, at this point, so at this point when he's saying, I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come down. Um, why should I stop working to come and meet with you? That's when he's being challenged. Like he's being he's being asked um, five times to come and meet with um, to come and meet with them, and he keeps turning it down. But before all of that, I mean, leading up to that point, they have now divided their workers in half so that half could be on guard while the other half were working. And um, you know, I noted at the in verse twenty three where it says um, basically it says that they never took off their clothes, like they never changed. They they kept their weapons on them at all times. So they were like in this posture of like guarding and defense all t- all the time as mm-hmm. they were also building and trying to accomplish this goal that they had set out to do. And now on top of that, then he's um, trying to be tricked into coming and meet meet with someone but really like it's actually to like kill him like hired to kill him so and i just love that all he says is i'm engaged in a great work so i can't come down he doesn't go into um well i know you're tricking me i know you're doing something terrible like you're you've been coming at me this whole time Mm -hmm. like you know step off like you know he doesn't he doesn't come at him he just says very 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 pointedly and very very strictly i'm i'm engaged in great work i can't come down why, why would I come down to meet with you? You know? I just, we might be able to use that line. Like, you know, next time we get asked to do something or door-to-door salesman, I'm engaged in the great work. I get I can't right come now. down. <laughs> Nehemiah 3, beginning in verse 1. Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated in the Tower of Hanenel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassaneh. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hekaz, repaired the section of the wall. Beside him were Meshalem, son of Berechiah, and grandson of Meshazabel, and then Zadok, son of Bana. Next were the people from Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. The old city gate was repaired by Joida, son of Pesea, and Meshalem, son of Bozadiah. 
They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Melatiah from Gibeon, Jaden from Maranoth, people from Gibeon, and people from Mizpah, and the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uziel, son of Hariah, a goldsmith by trade who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. They left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Rephaiah, son of Hur, the leader of half the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. Next, Jediah, son of Haramath, repaired the wall across from his own house, and next to him was Hattush, son of Hashbaniah. Then came Malkajah, son of Hiram, and Hashab, son of Pathmoab, who repaired another section of the wall and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halahesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. The valley gate was repaired by the people from Zenoa, led by Hanan. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. They also repaired the 1,500 feet of wall to the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Malkajah, son of Rechab, the leader of Beth Hakaram district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kohoaz, the leader of the Mizpah district. He rebuilt it, roofed it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Then he repaired the wall of the Pool of Siloam near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David. Next to him was Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, the leader of the half the district of Bethzer. He rebuilt the wall from a place across from the tombs of David's family, as far as the water reservoir and the house of warriors. Next to him, repairs were made by a group of Levites working under the supervision of Ram, son of Bani. Then came Hashbiah, the leader of half the district of Kela, who supervised the building of the wall on behalf of his own district. Next down the line were his countrymen, led by Binwi, son of Henadad, the leader of the other half of the district of Kela. Next to them, Azer, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section of wall across from the ascent to the armory near the angle in the wall. Next to him was Baruch, son of Zebai, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle to the door of the house to Elishab, the priest. Merimoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hekaz rebuilt another section of the wall, extending from the door of Elishab's house to the end of the house. The next repairs were made by the priests from the surrounding region. After them, Benjamin and Heshab repaired the section across from their house, and Azariah, son of Messiah, and grandson of Ananiah, repaired the section across from his house. Next was Binwi, son of Hanadad, who rebuilt another section of the wall from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. Palal, son of Uzai, carried on the work from a point opposite the angle and the tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the guard. Next to him were Pedashiah, son of Parash, and the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel, who repaired the wall as far as the point from across from the water gate to the east and the projecting tower. Then came the people of Tekoa, who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Next, Zadok, son of Emer, also rebuilt the wall across from his own house, and beyond him was Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section, while Meshalem, son of Berechiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. Malkajah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants, across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from that corner to the sheep gate. 
Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they think they can rebuild the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sin, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashdodites, heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain, the workers are getting tired and there is much rubble to be removed. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard what we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and the officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it, for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain, 
But now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day, and repay the interest you charged when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, We will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to what they had promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and I said, If you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. The whole assembly responded, Amen. And they praised the Lord and the people did as they had promised. Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave them the same reply. The fifth time, Sambalat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it is true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the, the wall. According to this his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king, so I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Later, I went to visit Shemiah, son of Deliah, the grandson of Methabal, who was confined to his home. He said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the door shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and to make me sin. They would Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. Remember, O oh God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sambalat have done. And remember Nobadiah, the prophet, and the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. So... On October 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. During those 52 days, many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah. For many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him because his father-in-law was Shechaniah, son of Era, and son of Jehoanan was married to his daughter, the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. They kept telling me about Tobiah's good deeds, and they told me everything I had said, and Tobiah kept sending threatening letters to intimidate me. After the wall was finished and I had set up the doors and the gates, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed, and I gave responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother Hanani, who along with Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, for he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. I said to them, Do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day, and even while the gatekeepers on duty, have them shut and bar the doors. Appoint some residents of Jerusalem to act as guards, everyone on a regular watch. Some will serve at sentry posts and some in front of their own homes. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you 
Uh, you can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.